0: Average Podcast, presented by Clutch Points. I'm your host Blake Level, With me, as always, my co-host Dylan Reagan. We're back here to discuss the action from Week 18, and uh, more specifically, uh, the most noteworthy action from Week 18. And uh, we probably won't go too much into the games that really didn't have any sort of uh, meaning whatsoever in terms of playoff implications. But we will talk about some initial thoughts on the on the bracket and everything uh, the playoffs, which uh, that will be our next episode. Is we'll preview the the super wild card weekend, it is Dylan. Remember, super wild card weekend. Um, we'll preview that on the next episode. But I mean, we've got coaching firings to talk about too, which uh, we'll, we'll discuss a little bit of those. But Dylan, I'm going to say this up front. I think in the history of this podcast, we're over 200 episodes. And when we've picked our game of the week, I think this is the undisputed <laughs> best pick we've ever had in the history of this podcast when it comes to picking our game of the week because. Uh, you got pretty much everything you wanted and then some uh, when it came to our pick for one of our games of the week, uh, and that was the Chargers and the Raiders, uh, which, what a way to end the regular season in the NFL. The Raiders win 35-32 in overtime, seconds away from a tie. Um, I mean, I just don't, like, this was the most, I can't recall the game, and when I was trying to think of it off the top of my head. I know some people were pointing to, like, you know, Browns-Ravens last year was pretty wild. That Chiefs-Rams game from a few years ago where the yeah. offense was, was very entertaining. But I, I don't... I Like, I, I'm telling you, man, I cannot recall a game like this in terms of just the, the scenario, the situation, everything. I can't. It's been a long time since I've seen a game like that. Uh, and again, just... I mean, honestly, like, where do we even start with the, the storylines coming out of this? Because there's just so many things you could point to.
1: Yeah, you're right. I mean, in terms of what was on the line, like those games you mentioned that have been crazy that we've picked, and they've been great games of the week and fantastic, just uh, overall memorable ones. They just didn't have what was on the line here for not just these two teams, obviously still the Steelers and we were, we were not even that far away from getting to that weird point where the Colts still could have got in if the Ravens had pulled out their game. They would have been relying on, the uh, I think, the outcome of that Dolphins-Patriots game. It was all sorts of nutty stuff. But yeah, once we finally got there, it didn't look like it was going to be a tie for a while, but you know, you saw kind of people seeing when it was a twelve point game on Twitter saying, out oh, now they're the Steelers are in good shape and like I mentioned when we were watching it and I was like, you know, the field goal and then it's fifteen, and then at that point it's exactly what happened. Uh to the two point conversions, the touchdown, but obviously I mean the number of fourth downs the Chargers had to convert was ridiculous. Only one penalty aided, otherwise just all Justin Herbert, all of the playmakers, the, the last throw Uh, that he had on the I think it was the last fourth down that they actually went for was deep in their own territory in overtime the last sort of Mike Williams up the seam with like defenders everywhere was one of the just arguably one of, given the pressure point of that spot one of the best throws of the season I'd think by any quarterback it was just ridiculous and they just couldn't quite uh finish it out obviously I'm, I'm waiting to see the I haven't watched as many game pass games this year on the All-22, but there was a few plays on some of these drives that I want to take a look at, in particular the Chargers' last offensive play before they kicked the timed field goal where he threw the ball deep down the sideline. I forget which receiver he went to, but someone else, at least from the TV angle, looked like they're running wide open in the middle of the field could have possibly run in for a winning touchdown. Just little things like that, that you're going to obviously take because it's it's impossible to make every perfect pass, and Justin basically made every one. But I, at the end of the day, I think the Raiders were the better team in this game. They dominated up front. Their defensive line, as, they, as Al and Chris Collinsworth pointed out, was dominant for large portions. Uh, there were some questionable, you know, for all the decisions that Brandon Staley should receive credit for. I know he's getting uh, bashed a bit uh, today for that one fourth and one Uh uh, play call in their own territory i think the the conversation should probably be about the play call itself rather than the uh, decision necessarily it uh, gets kind of lost in there we, we tend to move on when teams go uh, forward deep in their own territory and get it but when they don't uh, a lot more attention boils down to but you see why he trusts his players and his offense and yeah it was just uh i mean just ridiculous like looking back at it it felt like it was like three different games the first half was relatively normal even though it was still high scoring and then i mean it was like the whole second half for large portions the Raiders were in pretty good shape and then it was a whole other game watching that last like just play after play all the conversions with the Chargers and man it was it was, it was so much fun so much on the line and it was really funny at the end was poor Steeler fans feeling like uh, they were <laughs> going to just run up the clock but at the end of the day there's stuff made about the timeout and I know Derek Carr said that change their thinking i don't really know looking back how it changed anything there there's all the clock had already run down the four seconds in the play clock so it's essentially the same as snapping the ball right there if they get a first down running uh it's going to be the exact same situation so i if if anything um I mean, it would have made sense, honestly, for the Chargers at that point to, say, if they did stop the Raiders, they could have called a timeout. Then the Raiders have a really hard decision to make. Do you want to kick a 55-yarder miss and give the Chargers time uh, to possibly go down and win it? Of course, they get the first down, and that's the story of the Chargers' season. They had so much, uh, so many exciting things going on, but their run defense really just let them down when it mattered most.
0: I like Again, I don't even know like where you start with this whole <laughs> scenario here, because... I, I am one that's... I, I do think, you know, of the timeout, there's a lot being made of this timeout, but I don't know if it's specifically the timeout or if it was just watching the game. I never got the sense that the Raiders were going to do anything other than just run the clock out. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe that was just me, and I'm probably not alone on that. I know other people think the same way, but, like, it was one of those things when you just sort of watched, and I just got that sense. Now, again, we're watching from... You know, home, and we're watching this through the t v and there's no reason you know we don't have any sort of insight or anything, but mm-hmm. I don't know, man I just I thought that they that's exactly what they were doing, and maybe that was the wrong thinking, but I'm sure you know the fact is they you know if the chargers, like you said, if they get a stop, it's a completely different scenario because then you're having a much different conversation about, okay, well, what do you do if you're the Raiders, but the fact that they didn't, then it's like, well. Now you're, what, however many yards closer, and yep. uh, I, I just think that it's one of those where it's, like, obviously that's one that I'm, I'm probably going to go back. I, I started going back and watching it again this morning, and I, you know, it's just like one of those where you're like, mm-hmm. how did this play out? And I don't know. I, I know what Derek Hart said, all the, but I I did. Like, I got the sense that the Raiders were going to run the ball out, and that was going to be it, but uh, it's, man, what a what an interesting, I, I just, again, I can't even imagine sort of the thinking there in terms of a game ending like that. And it's like, even on both sides, like, yeah. what do you even think about that?
1: So. I mean, the Raiders, at the end of the day, they, they have some incentive to win. You don't want to play the Chiefs uh, as much as I think the Bengals that is will be the a best tough. point.
0: Yes, um, exactly.
1: And I, it's, the thing is, like, if they say, say they don't get a first down there, and the Chargers don't call timeout, they, they let the clock to go down to two seconds. Now you have no reason not to attempt that fifty-six yard field goal because if you miss, it's still a tie. You're still in the playoffs. So I, yeah. I think the Chargers would have had to have called timeout if the Raiders got stuffed there, uh, just to force a punt. Then and then maybe the Chargers. Just you know, knee it twice at that point because uh, they're too far in. Don't want to turn it over and let the game flip the other way. So it kind of yeah, it really it was just a third and four play. You know they're going to run like and they just couldn't stop it. Three straight plays uh, where they knew they were going to be running the football, and they get on the on the last two. I think 18 total yards. So it's just uh, again that's the story of their of this kind of season for the Chargers. Just a little bit of not enough on on that defensive side because yeah i mean that's the one thing for nfl fans in general that i'm sad about is not seeing uh, herbert in the playoffs potentially the idea of him and josh allen facing each other that would have been the matchup if the chargers had tied or won um i mean that would have been so much fun still going to be a lot of fun with all these games that we're going to talk about uh, especially on our next episode but um yeah, i would have loved to see both these teams and i think they both kind of deserve to be in there yeah. i know the steelers uh would have a you know have an argument for that as well, and they did make the playoffs, but um yeah, that's gonna we saw what the chiefs and Steelers just happened a few weeks ago. I'm not positive <laughs> it's gonna uh, turn out much better for Pittsburgh. We'll see,
0: yeah, I think that's where you had everyone rooting for the tie because of course, the whole joke going in was that they could intentionally do it, and that was never going to happen, yeah. but it's like you know intentionally you don't actually try to tie and well, you almost tie and um <laughs> yeah, it's just one of the it is like the whole yeah. thing's just so bizarre. And how it played out and and like you mentioned I I think the thinking is as you if you're watching that game you're like man I would love to see both of these teams in the playoffs um Mm -hmm. because you know nothing against the Steelers but like you mentioned we we've seen Steelers and Chiefs not too long ago and um that's one where I don't even know if the score was as close as the game you know I think it was a much wider gap than maybe uh it was but you never know and we'll talk about that game uh and we'll talk a little bit more about the Raiders uh when we do our our previews Uh, in the next episode but yeah just what an unbelievable uh, game that was and you know to be honest our other game of the week was pretty good too and uh, unfortunately like you said probably not a lot of people outside of the fans of the Rams and 49ers and probably the Saints um, are going to think a whole lot of it just based on that Chargers Raiders game but uh, Rams 49ers is pretty good too and uh, that one went to overtime with the Niners uh, getting the 27-24 win this felt like a game that I mean we've seen this before with these two teams but man, this felt like a game the Rams were just in control of. They get up 17 nothing. You're thinking, man, this is this is it. Um, but here come the 49ers, and they come uh, riding their, their way back into it. And uh, what do you know? They get the win here, and uh, they are in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, it was the same formula after, you know, it felt like the Rams were in the perfect position because they uh, playing from ahead like that. You knew the Niners weren't going to be able to play have the exact game plan that they wanted to have um going into it obviously you know they wanted to be able to run the ball wanted to control the tempo instead the rams kind of turned and gave the niners a piece of their own medicine for large portions of that game uh you know the niners had to kind of uh, figure it out but they had so much time left and that was a big thing that um yeah you know, for the san francisco to be able to score before the half in particular allowed them to go into that second half not feeling like all right we're down three scores we really need to kind of hurry this up a bit uh they were able to take their time run the ball basically the entire drive uh you know that wasn't the one with Debo throwing the touchdown but it was still a a, just an absolute clinic up front I mean the Rams knew a large amount of the time what the Niners were going to do they had a lot of great counter plays going off of the the main uh bread and butter run stuff and man it it was it's frustrating I would say if you're looking from the Rams point of view because it's just the same kind of story these two teams have had and Uh, By the end of it, I think San Francisco definitely deserved to win. I know the Rams. Everyone was talking about how they were dominating, but they weren't. You know, they did benefit from a couple big plays here and there, some really tough third down conversions on that first drive when they got the field goal, Um, and the total yards gap by the end of it. I mean, San Francisco almost doubled up the Rams. Like they, they basically had 200 more yards uh, by the end of the game. They were able to do pretty much do whatever they wanted. Got into third and manageable, pretty much outside of you know early in the first half. That first drive, uh, first couple of drives, they never really got behind the chains at all. And uh, that was a big story for But the Rams did, you know, when it looked darkest and they had given up 17 straight points and the Niners are driving again. You see why they still have a chance to be a factor in the playoffs with all the stars kind of all at once like made big plays Ramsey makes that ridiculous interception the next drive it's all Stafford and and Cup Cup even blocking on one of the the only decent runs the Rams had the entire game before right before his uh his touchdown they give him back the lead then you have Von Miller with the sack it was like just a flurry of stuff that looked like oh they're gonna save the day and then man it's it comes down to, in this one, too, for the Rams, I'm sure Sean is really frustrated with a couple of things, probably lack of aggression when they got the ball back at the end of the game, not trying to get a first down, really thought on third down they'd try to pass. It was about third and six and a half or so. And, you know, you give the Niners one timeout, it wasn't going to be, You know, obviously, it's hindsight, but even at the time, it's like just you have a chance, six and a half yards, go win the game. Um, you haven't been able to run all day. You're probably not going to run for six and a half yards. Would have liked to see him be a little more aggressive there. And then also the end of the half. I know that a lot was made about the play call going empty on the third and and like a half yard. I even thought the second down play call uh, was a little bit uh, concerning in terms of just, just just kind of running for the sake of running to run the clock down when they could have been an aggressor and kept the gas pedal uh, odell had a basically 12 yards I mean, the, the db was essentially out of the picture on the bottom of the screen on second and three they were going to give him a, a five yard out if they really wanted to run something there to, just to get the first down it's just little things like that where they could have not instead of just being like let's get to halftime up 17 they could have pumped and try to get another field goal go up 20 um instead you end up having the punt go up that last second drive with a lot of soft coverage the same soft coverage we saw in the tying drive for the niners and that uh, i mean it happened so fast It was basically just two broken broken plays broken coverages by the rams the, the iuk one and then later with Debo that allowed them to get all the way down the field and yeah it just uh what a crazy game. And despite all that, the Rams had the ball in overtime with a chance to win. Um, and then we saw kind of the same – every game with the, lately with the Rams, there's like two, three Stafford plays where it just makes you shake your head. Uh, I wouldn't say there was as many in this game. He had a really good first half and got in, put in some tough spots because their offensive line was getting – beat up by san francisco but uh he had some opportunities there and then overtime again and just didn't need to force it there i know people said you know he underthrew when he talked about that after the game and he, maybe there would have been a contested play if he if he lays it out further but it just it didn't seem like they had to do it at that point there's a lot of time left and they win the division but um bittersweet i don't think the rams were celebrating a whole lot now they go from the two seed all the way down to the four um get a get the they would have played the saints at home and now instead uh you get the cardinals it should be a tough game but uh the san francisco 49ers definitely i think uh from a macro perspective for the nfc they're they're deserving of a playoff spot they're definitely right there with some of these uh you know maybe the top four teams in the division all the division winners uh, in the conference uh on their own tier but i think arizona and, and san francisco can definitely be a factor in this playoff and especially san francisco they have a formula and uh if they don't fall behind i mean they're going to have a lot of teams that are going to struggle to block their front right now and that defensive front for the niners is ridiculous
0: yeah the nfc matchups are very interesting um we'll talk about those in the next episode but i think you could i think two of those three um you know it's it's going to be interesting from an, uh, people looking at the underdogs perhaps in, in those games we'll see but uh, very fascinating matchups in those all right we're going to quickly run through some of these other games because like we said um, you know we, we know the playoff situation now and um, we'll just kind of touch on a few things just uh, our betting locks dylan well um <laughs> we, we did not do so well uh, on these and uh hold on before we get to that i want to mention here quickly cooper cup we got to give this guy some some props so he finishes uh second uh in all-time uh single season receiving yards 1,947 that was what 17 i think behind calvin johnson yeah um and so yeah that's that's something when you consider top five calvin johnson cooper cup two julio jones three jerry rice four and antonio brown five so um yeah quite a quite a season for cooper cup we'll talk more about him uh, i guess as we move forward as well yeah. but his, uh, um,
1: yeah. he got the also the first receiver i think since steve smith in 2005 to complete the triple crown for most you know, receptions touchdown catches and yards so i mean think th- whatever whatever you want to say about the, the extra game for him on the all-time receiving list that's that is uh fair in terms of the, the best seasons ever but in terms of leading the the league in every category I, it's just as impressive as <laughs> anything else and yeah crazy that's it been 16 years since someone's done that
0: Yeah, and as we know, the common denominator between Calvin Johnson and Cooper Cup is, of course, Matthew (laughs) Stafford. So that is uh, another wild uh, stat there. All right, our betting logs, as we said, did not do very well. Uh, I picked the Chiefs, who were 10-point favorites against the Broncos. The Chiefs did win, but uh, it was a little bit more of a a struggle maybe than expected. They win 28-24. They will be, as we mentioned, the number two seed in the playoffs. Uh, But I think most of our discussion in this uh, particular category is going to come with the Colts, who were 15 and a half point favorites on the road against the Jaguars, and uh, my goodness, the Colts um, just did not show up. Uh, the Jags win 26 to 11. Colts out of the playoffs. Um, what a disappointment this is for the Colts. I mean, this was one. I'm telling you, from the very start in this game, like you just sensed it, yep. that this was not. This was going to be one of those games for the Colts. Like it, you could tell very early, and they never just got like they never got there ever like I know it's 26 to 11 but quite frankly I don't know if the game felt that close um it was just what a yeah it, it's just not good for the Colts because again we talked about how much better this team had played down the stretch and late in the season and you're thinking all right um you know they're gonna they're gonna be just fine and with Jonathan Taylor and that defense maybe they got a chance to to do something in the playoffs well they're not even in
1: yeah the the, the Rich Eisen uh, quote he uh, tweeted after the or during the game but he basically said in the span of two weeks the Colts went from the team nobody wanted to see in the playoffs to a team nobody is seeing in the playoffs <laughs> yep, they summed it up go. pretty well for what you're saying there in terms of they're on a roll they uh that offensive line was starting to pick it up but you know they weren't as good as they've been in previous seasons I know they've had injuries and it really showed up in this game I mean they could not get a push on Jacksonville which is not something many teams have been able to say all season. Um, you know, still ran for five yards per carry, but didn't feel like that watching a lot of the game. And then every time that they had a crucial play where they, they needed just a yard or two, they weren't getting it. On the flip side, Jacksonville, I mean, we have not seen them play with this kind of juice all year. But, I mean, Trevor Lawrence had probably his best game as a pro, I'd, I'd say, um, given there's not a lot of wins, obviously, this year. But I mean, there were some great, great throws that he had, um, Some some plays on the run, some kind of ad-libbing things where it's like ah you you see you see what can possibly be here with everything coming together so uh, interesting to see how Jacksonville retools that roster this offseason but the focus right now as it should be is on the disappointment in Indianapolis I yeah definitely Carson Wentz came back to, to bite them in this one one of just a really tough game looking back and some of the picks were uh, you know the two picks were awful but there were some other missed passes and just things that it, it was it was tough to watch uh, when indy had the ball and did not expect that against jacksonville i yeah it, you know for I, i'll have to go through my betting locks i think i had a, you know, a barely above 500 record but lately over the last like four weeks outside of a couple games where i've hit i've been like the kiss of death for some of these teams they end up not just not covering they end up completely outright losing so apologies to colts fans um for picking you guys to be the lock here because yeah i just did not uh did not work out whatsoever, and that set off the whole chain of events for what we talked <laughs> about with the Chargers and Raiders. If the Colts win this game, I do wonder if the uh, some of the decision making is much different. I mean, maybe the Chargers go for it on fourth down uh, in overtime up when they're down three to try to score a touchdown still to win the game, and maybe they do win, maybe they lose there. But uh, it wouldn't have been the same thing where they could have both tied if if the, Jag- the Jaguars don't end up upsetting Indy. It just really changed so much for how how this crazy Sunday went
0: yeah um anyone who enjoyed the, the the main event you can thank the colts because that did it set everything in motion and uh yeah what a what a wild wild finish of the season for the colts and uh we'll see what's next for them and the jacks of course uh in the off offseason right, our upsets well um these were also two that we we actually did okay on um we we did pretty well with these and so uh, the Packers and the Lions, uh, I took the gamble on that one, and what do you know, the Lions win, but as we talked about, not really much uh, to say for that for the <laughs> Packers. we, I mean, let's be honest, they didn't really have anything to play for. Uh, Lions went 37-30 to in that one. They finished 3-13-1. Uh, and then the Seahawks and the Cardinals, that was the other one. You you said it, I mean, you thought this would kind of be the way, maybe, that you not really know what's going to happen with Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll going into next season, but uh, the Seahawks go out with a bang here, 38-30. to 30. They beat the Cardinals. We know uh, now for the Cardinals they will uh, visit L.A. to play the Rams uh, in the wild card round. But a uh, nice little win for the Seahawks here. Rashad Penny was uh, – well, he was something in this one. Uh, but uh, this was <laughs> – it's funny. We've laughed about this before. But this was, once again, like your Tyler Lockett stat line. Yep. Five receptions, 98 yards, two touchdowns. Like it's just – this guy is just like the most efficient guy ever in terms of – Um, you know he'll get five receptions but two of them will be touchdowns and uh, I mean you know a nice performance from the Seahawks here Uh, Cardinals you know that was one of those teams that we we knew at one point you know felt like the best team in the NFL but uh, just have kind of been a little up and down since then and we know they've had an injury situation and all that but um, you know that they lose the finale here and now hit the road uh, to play the Rams.
1: Yeah, maybe this is good for the Cardinals. They've, as a lot of uh, pundits have talked about, they play quite better on the road this season. So maybe this will be a, a decent thing for them. They would have, if they had won, they would have been the three seed facing San Francisco at home. I don't know if that would have been, if you take that over visiting LA. So I mean, both matchups are going to be tough. So I'm not sure how much the Cardinals really would have gained from winning this. Obviously, some you know after all those losses, I, they had that big Week 17 win over Dallas you thought going to carry some momentum now they fall here we'll see how they bounce back still a team that has its flaws um the defense that you know still ranked in the top 5 or 6 in dboa for the whole year has had these moments against some of these explosive pass offenses that are able to take advantage of their aggressive scheme and hit them over the top for really big plays. They've given up a ton of explosive plays it really feels like over the stretch uh, where they've started to lose more games and we'll see how that affects them going into the playoffs like you said for the Seahawks. uh, Interesting to see what kind of change is going to happen there. DK Metcalf talked about it a bit today and he didn't go into specifics and it's the same thing I kind of think about. It's like, yeah, there's going to probably be some changes but what what are they? Like, It could be in so many different places where they, they can make an argument, they should run back certain things, and you do see what the offense can look like when it's operating at, at full swing. When they're you know, you're not going to run for 200 yards in a lot of games, but uh, it's pretty explosive stuff. And then you yeah, have the only thing for the Lions game, maybe they played themselves out of uh, the number one, uh, they did play themselves out of number one pick, but maybe we'll see if Aiden Hutchinson is still there at number two. Um, to, uh, obviously, going to Michigan would have been cool to see him uh, suit up for the Lions, still could happen, but uh, still, I think they were focused on even with no matter who was in the game for the Packers, they were still playing hard had the trick plays up their sleeve and I uh, do still think I know Anthony Lynn won't be their offensive coordinator anymore it sounded pretty amicable with how, with him uh, not coming back for the upcoming season it'll be interesting to see who they get in there but I think they kind of have a foundation that will be fun to watch um, and obviously if, if Aaron Rodgers stays that's one thing but if he somehow does decide to leave then that division next year man that's going to talk about two new coaches coming in um, in Chicago and Minnesota um, and then Green Bay if if they were to lose Aaron oh my that division is I don't know. It's wide open. I don't I'm not saying the Lions are going to win it, but I do like the foundation that as De- Detroit started to to build toward and think they have found some pieces that will be there down the line when they're hopefully uh getting back to being a you know, not I say back unfortunately for the Lions. It hasn't been a lot of winning, but getting to a, a winning culture, I think they're on the on the path at the very least. Um hopefully they don't get cut off quickly like what happened to Miami today. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, and speaking of that, we'll just we'll quickly go through the scores from the rest of these okay. games and Dylan, you can tell me what you know, maybe what's worth noting, and there's a couple of things we'll touch on, but we will finish off uh, talking about some of these uh, firings, and of course we'll get more into it as the yeah. coaching searches go along, but uh, of course the Cowboys, uh, they get a dominant win over the Eagles. Uh, it was a 51-26 mm-hmm. in that one. Bengals and Browns, uh, it was the Browns getting a 21-16 win. As we said, not really much for the Bengals to play for uh, in that one. They are now set uh, for that game with the Raiders. Uh, Bears and Vikings, we can stop here for a second because... Um, <laughs> These both teams have just cleaned house uh with uh GM and head coach gone from both uh for both the Bears and the Vikings. Uh Vikings won this game thirty one seventeen, but I guess that is certainly uh, an interesting I I don't think very unexpected. Uh we sort of expected that with the Bears. Vikings was maybe a little more unknown, but I think you just got the sense that they were going to go in a different direction here, but like you just mentioned, I mean, this—you talk about this division, what it could look like next season. Uh, all that intrigue is probably going to start with Aaron Rodgers, but then it goes directly to uh, what's next for both the Vikings and the Bears.
1: Yeah, it's uh, two jobs that I think have uh, you know intriguing parts about them. I'm not sure we'll see what happens with the Raiders after making the playoffs. I think that you can make even with the the really tough quarterbacks in that division in Mahomes and. Herbert, I think you can make an argument that would be the best coaching job with how they have really retooled that defense and what the offense has still been able to look like. But otherwise, uh, still intriguing in Minnesota and, and Chicago. They have pieces. Um, I'm not sure <laughs> how far these teams with their current rosters obviously could go. They, they're both pretty average teams, but you've Justin Fields to build around if you really believe in Kirk Cousins. If you don't, in Minnesota, they still have other pieces that could be there for the next quarterback or quarterback. A place with an infrastructure that I could see still uh, not being a a long time until the Vikings are back to being a playoff team. So um, interesting in terms of, uh, like you said, not as much of an assumption as we kind of knew was going to happen in Chicago. The only thing in Chicago was if Pace was going to be fired with. Nagging, he was. Um, Rick Spielman and Zimmer have been kind of you know connected at the at the hip since they came in there in Minnesota and or since at least they've both been there together. So not surprised that once one of them got fired, they they both did. i you know, Definitely heard about how Rick Spielman did address the team, but Darren Wolfson reported that Mike Zimmer didn't even talk to the <laughs> to the players after getting fired, which is interesting. um I know he's had some interesting press conferences and different things he said about the uh, some of the players and some of the play the last two seasons. So. Uh, it started it definitely was time i think but yeah definitely a division that is in flux and really though yeah two two uh coaching jobs that i think have some value and you know aren't just it's not like some of the the years where it's no offense to the jets but some years it's like wow it's the jets job good luck to whoever gets that like these are both teams that have some some pieces in play um, have made you know for all the things that were said about Ryan Pace as draft as some of the drafting that the Bears have had they still got Justin Fields we'll see how that all pans out he was criticized for signing Robert Quinn he just set the Bears sack record right in I think in the 16th game so they got some interesting things going and a, a team that uh, even down to the finish even in this for you know, despite this loss still felt like as I've talked about the last few weeks that Chicago was playing with a sense of urgency and, and playing really hard with nothing to play for another team quickly of, of the other games we might talk about the texans are another team that i felt like down the stretch played really hard um and really was interesting to see what happens there it sounds like david coley will be staying but obviously gave the titans a run for their money for the to possibly uh, fail out of the one seed now i think uh you know not a sigh of relief for pittsburgh but for tennessee to, to be able to skip the first uh super wild card weekend i mean that's it's so huge in afc that's pretty wide open
0: well, let's talk about some of these uh, others here quickly. Uh, Washington and the Giants, that was the game, as we said, meant nothing, 22-7. to 7. Uh, Washington wins. Uh, the most noteworthy thing, I assume, is that uh, uh, Giants will be looking for a new uh, GM, but may not be head coach-wise. Seems like Joe Judge probably going to be back. So um, that is at least uh, noteworthy. As of now, uh, Steelers and Ravens probably would have been a lot more interesting had it been the Steelers' uh, last game, but we'll certainly talk about uh, them now as we head into that playoff matchup with the Chiefs. Steelers win that one in overtime, 16-13. I mean, for the Ravens, Dylan, it's pretty simple. I mean, what do you say? Injury-wise uh, yeah. with Lamar and all that, I just kind of, you know, there was only so much I think they could do, and uh, we'll talk more about them going into the, the offseason. Titans clinch the number one seed uh, with the win over the Texans, and, boy, they make it interesting, uh, 28-25. I will say this, quick pit stop here. You know, this is a game I, I, I watched pretty much all of this game, and, you know, the Titans – they did make it interesting but I will say this and I think others have said it throughout the year but um I don't think it's just this one game but like I think Davis Mills is good like I think he is he's he's playing on a bad team but like yeah. I think he's pretty good um and I know we'll, we'll talk more about Deshaun Watson in a second when we get to the Dolphins but I I I do want to point that out I I don't you know is he ever going to be a Super Bowl winning quarterback I don't know but I think they're okay if they can just do some stuff around him um yeah. i think that you know the more i've watched him especially down the stretch here this season i think he's actually pretty good so um i think there's a lot of potential there at least for him
1: yeah there's hall of famers that don't win super bowl so i'm not too concerned about there you go. that happening there's also trent dilfers that win super Bowls, so no offense to trent dilfer but uh yeah in terms of davis mills he's definitely been a guy that's improved over the course of the year i think better than anyone really would have thought uh, going into the season, um, with especially, like you said, not a ton to work with. Some interesting receivers, but, I mean, this is a team that still, at the end of the day, did not rank highly on offense. The only uh, redeeming part about them uh, from a statistical basis was some of the things they did on defense by the end of the season. And, yeah, he's still, uh, you know, the Charger game in particular, I thought he looked fantastic. Like not just, Like, guys weren't just, like, wide open. Like, he was making great plays <laughs> and great throws into tight windows that you just did not expect to see um i know they had some struggles obviously early in the year and uh, when he first started getting in there um after like the really outside out of that
0: bills game right like i feel like outside of that bills game where they just you know they was it lost 40 something to nothing i think yep. early in the mm-hmm. season like other than that i just feel like he hasn't really played bad at all and i mean again you know i'm not saying he's played great but there have just been some of those usual road games i think you could have but um yeah i just i did want to point that out because i just think that you know it's at least a something you have to, to work with i guess for the texans so i, th- I
1: think the most uh, just looked real quickly at his game log i did not realize he almost had a perfect passer rating against the patriots <laughs> the patriots won yeah 25 to 22 but he threw for uh, 21 to 29 312 yards three touchdowns took a few sacks but yeah i mean that if you can do that against the pats and w- where that defense was starting to become at that point of the season i know there's a plenty of other blowouts they you know they had a couple weeks where they only scored eight total points against the colts and cardinals um and not a good showing against the Rams. But overall, yeah, I think someone that does make them a little more comfortable with where they're at, they still probably have to rebuild a little longer. You don't need to win too many games, but to have a guy yeah. that can be in there uh, on a really cheap quarterback contract and allow you to build up the rest of your roster and potentially be the guy, uh, yeah, it's, it's a huge win considering where we thought going into the year they were with Deshaun wanting the trade and then all the off-field things that have dealt there. And like you mentioned with Miami, now I don't even know if he's going to want to go there with Brian Flores gone. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, we'll get to that shortly. Saints win thirty to twenty. They did their job, but the Niners, of course, won. So, yeah. uh, Saints finished nine and eight, uh, but they will not be going to the playoffs. Uh, Jets and Bills. That was one that uh, got interesting for a second there, but uh, Bills win twenty seven to ten, and of course, uh, we know what's next for them uh, in the ultimate rematch: uh, Bills yes. and Patriots. Uh, that is one that will certainly be uh among if not the most uh well i don't i say that i think the nfc ones to me are the most intriguing but I, that one's going to be fascinating from a yeah. standpoint of those two uh playing once again here with a, a playoff you know advancement on the line here and speaking of that uh the patriots and the dolphins uh it was the dolphins winning 33 to 24 and what do you know the dolphins who just were terrible at one point they finished with a win- winning record at nine and eight and what do they do um hours later they fire their head coach um then i know i jumped on that we adopted the dolphins not long ago here yep. on the podcast but i would like to say that i am turning in the papers of the adoption for the dolphins uh based on this move here because i think this was just absolutely ridiculous um i know they started off bad but and, you know, you can read a lot of stuff out there. This does seem like a, you know, this is Game of Thrones here. Like, this is what this turned into, it seemed like, uh, with with Flores and, you know, GM stuff and everything, kind of the politics involved. Well, I'm sure we'll get the full story right. eventually, but <laughs> to me, this is just, I don't know what you're doing if you're the Dolphins. And again, I know there have been people that have pointed out, well, you know, look at Brian Flores' record. It's what, 23 and 25, I think. Um, but i don't know man you and i talked about it even going back to to last year or whatever like we said you can tell like this guy's pretty good and you know i know their start was not what they wanted but we talked about it like as well Injuries played into that there's other things and like this isn't the best roster out no. there i want to point that, i don't know again i've seen some people say that like the dolphins should have been 12 or something no, no way like this this team was not going to win 12 games like just the way it's constructed so i was just flabbergasted at this and i think unless the dolphins have just you know unless nick Saban's coming back um to, to miami which i don't think he is no. i just man this is a this is a strange move
1: i was legitimately shocked when i woke up today and saw that i th- no way would have thought that brian flores wasn't going to be there like you said i really hope we get some more information on what went into this i know the owner Stephen ross has talked about it but man like what? yeah, they had a disappointing season. They went 10 and 6, but look I like we kind of talked about last year or you know or before the season and uh, kind of mid-season when they were struggling. Maybe it wasn't a great thing for the expectations for them to for them to kind of leap ahead in terms of their accomplishments on the field. Uh, I think, yeah, does he get fired? If last year they win, like, three more games than they did the year before, I maybe mean, they go 7-9, now they go 9-8. Like, then you see the upward, upward trajectory, and I don't really get it. Like, culture-wise, I mean, you see uh, we put a cl- uh, Clutch Points article together of all the reactions of all the shocked players. Like, no one saw it coming in their, in their locker room either. Like, they really uh, it sounds pretty disappointed. I do not know. It's going to be a tough task, whoever comes in there, and to try to get the, you know, to really lead these guys I, I you know maybe they will buy in with the right leader it could still work and you know players are gonna be smart enough to know it's not that new coach's fault that ownership fired uh, Brian Flores but man they love that guy it seems like from all accounts and uh the, the only thing I think Ian Rappaport talked about was maybe a bit of a uh, frustration and tension were the two words to use between Flores and general manager Chris Greer. Chris Greer may be blaming Flores for some of the guys that they have drafted, especially along the offensive line that haven't worked out. Um, I don't know if that's fair uh, necessarily. It's it's a combination of obviously drafting, but also technique and having the right coaches and play and having consistency with the staff, especially along the offensive line. It's really hard for guys to learn different uh, techniques and different kind of ways of doing things uh, from line, offensive line coach to offensive line coach. As a reason that for years and years Scarnecchio was there in in New England the the Rams just recently moved on from Cromer but he had a long long history through multiple head coaches with the Rams and these things are really important um and uh, you know it's not just on Flores uh it can be a a little bit more of a collaborative thing there It felt like those two guys were more of a team I guess not so maybe that's part of it but like you said definitely want to I'll have to look more into this because it just did not you know unless they really thought they had someone that was going to be a Huge, huge jump above. Like I just don't, I just don't get it, man. Um, and uh, you, you also think one pick different. I really hindsight here, and uh, Dolphins fans of, no one in the in the moment that really thought they were going to take Justin Herbert over to a But man, yeah, yeah there's no way he. I mean, like I, I feel like there's no way he ends up getting fired if Justin Herbert's there putting up big numbers and they're possibly moving forward uh, towards being a playoff team. They probably would have been with with Justin. So. Yeah, it's 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 the game of game of inches in football and and wow. the you know the draft and what you do with development because it's a uh, uh, it's interesting but I don't know man he went four and two against the Patriots in three years uh, I know the Patriots wow. weren't the Patriots of their best days but man that's. Yeah, it's it's tough. And now yeah, now you got Josh Allen still there, the Patriots in the come up. Like you said, turn in our papers for the Dolphins. I'm not I'm going to have to be one back just like I feel like these players probably are going to have to be one back by who, or uh, by whoever yeah. comes in as their head coach. It's going to be a tall task.
0: The Ringer has a great article on sort of just the, the dynamics involved here. Okay. And, you know, it it goes off of I guess with Jeff Darlington and mentioned sort of the, um from ESPN uh the relationship with Chris Greer the GM and Tua had deteriorated to a pretty bad place. That's the yeah. quote used um, in that. So like you said, that's where, you know, a difference of opinion there. And seemingly that was something that's been talked about a lot where maybe Flores wanted Herbert and you had a GM going a different direction, ownership, um, and maybe that's one of the things. And also something else pointed out in this, and and remember, you know, we talked about this. We were literally considering the Dolphins one of the worst teams, if not the worst team in NFL yeah. history at one point. Uh, several years ago when Flores took over. And then we talked about the improvement they made. And since then, I mean, they have, like, you feel like they've just improved. And, like, they still have a roster, as we talked about, that is just not built to have success right now in terms of playoff success. It's not there yet. Um And you know, I'm, I'm looking back. I'm, like, in this article, they're pointing out, like, remember, like, they traded all the trades yeah. they made. Like, Minka, Fitt- Minka Fitzpatrick was traded. um Laramie Tunsil was traded. You know, all this other stuff. And, like, yet they still won. Like, they, they still managed to win games, and uh, it is worth pointing out here. something that uh, I think, it, and you know, the player reaction is what it is. Like, you can go on Twitter and you talk about all the reaction from players, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, uh, but uh, the time that Flores almost uh, fought the uh, the Bengals uh, bench. Like, this guy, I mean, I'm telling you right now, I don't know if it happens, but, well, we've got Bears, Vikings, um, you know, some of these other jobs, like, if this guy isn't getting interviewed for one of those jobs, I don't yeah. know what you're doing because I'm not saying he's going to be the best candidate for each of these positions, or maybe he's not the best fit for some of these jobs. Uh, but I don't know, man. Like if I'm the if I'm the Vikings or so, like I I think this is this is one of those guys that that I don't know. I just think that it's very interesting to see what happens next with him. I, I think right now, if you had to ask me, I think he will be the head coach of another team next season, and maybe he's not, but. If you're going the routes of, and we know like NFL teams sometimes they, they take those chances on, you know, the next Sean McVay, which we've kind of laughed about over the years, <laughs> um, or, you know, the coordinator route, or a guy like this who seemingly is just very well respected, the Bill Belichick tree. Um, man, I just I find it hard to believe he's not going to have a shot somewhere else as soon as maybe his next season.
1: I, I hope he gets uh, – I'm sure he'll get interviewed, but I hope he gets one of the head coaching jobs. At the very least, I, I expect he'd be a strong candidate to be a defensive coordinator. He could do – some guys like doug peterson maybe take a year off and then be considered for a head coaching yeah. role afterward if you think maybe there's another job that might be more fit at that point one would would have been interested if the giants had moved on i uh, think of blind floors there it could have been intriguing to see but uh yeah i don't know they're like at this point it's uh, teams do like the fl- uh, flip-flop but you see a lot of times when teams fire head uh, defensive head coaches they move on and get an offensive guy, but. Uh, so yeah. I think of the Vikings and the Broncos in that case, where you know that kind of uh, could be an Bears interesting. Bears fired spot. an
0: offensive guy. Maybe go back to the. the there the, you the go. Bears, get, there. What do you think? <laughs> get the defense back
1: i don't i don't hate it i, I that would be a, a great fit i think for sure um i know denver's maybe a little more focused on trying to interview a coach aaron Rodgers might be in favor of their are uh, going to interview nathaniel hackett so that could be interesting but yeah um i would uh his future i don't think it's this is you know i think brian flores is 40 I mean, he, he's got a long career still to go and i think Miami potentially is going to regret this maybe he'll look for an AFC job just so he can try to get back at that team but um, I mean at the same time maybe it just wasn't the right fit in terms of the person uh, the people in the in the building and with Flores so hopefully wherever he goes uh, moving forward he will have a little more security because man yeah that's this isn't quite like, you know, this is maybe worse than what I think the Lions would be firing Jim Caldwell after pretty successful stem wow. That seasons. Uh, that's the first thing I kind of thought of in terms of a coach having that much, you know, you know at least a couple winning records and then being fired. But I don't know. It, it almost feels worse because at this point with, um, I mean, obviously, the hiring Patricia ended up being an absolute disaster for Detroit. But for Miami, it just seems like how did – like, I don't know. I just don't see it. I just feel like it's such a, like you said, he, he took this team out of one of the worst, you know, rosters probably in the league going into the 2019 season. They And, the, you know, just to see what he did in year one and even over the, the course of this season, how they adjusted. I mean, if they had a just a, no, you know, we'll see what becomes of Tua over the course of his career, how he improves. But if they had a quarterback playing at a higher level than Tua did as one of the you know lowest DYAR football outsider quarterbacks in the league, yeah, this is a whole different team. And, yeah, if they draft just a little bit better at offensive line, it's a whole different team. It's just a, factors that I don't know how much are really about his coaching. Um, that's why it just a, makes it even more surprising to me. I don't know what, what's going on there, Miami.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting because, you know, if you're Flores and you do get those opportunities, do you want to go to the Bears where maybe you're looking at a similar situation where it's like you maybe you didn't know what you had with Tua, maybe you still don't know what you had with Justin Fields, you don't know if you're completely there yet. Or, you know, somewhere like the Vikings where – You've at least got a quarterback that is, you know, cousins we've we've talked about has had his struggles, but um, that situation, or if you're Jacksonville, hey, let's just keep him in the state. He's got a franchise quarterback, you think, and Trevor Lawrence, I think that's pretty clear cut and uh, a lot of rebuilding to do there, but uh, we'll see what happens next for him. Uh, the only other game we haven't mentioned that was the uh, Bucks and the Panthers, Bucks win 41 17. They are now locked into a, a playoff matchup with the Eagles. So uh, that was the slate, uh, Dylan, of course, for week uh, 18 in the NFL. Still feels strange to say that. Uh, <laughs> off stuff, any of the coaching fallout uh, on the next episode. But, man, what a, as we said, what a wild finish to the regular season
1: yeah a lot of fun we'll definitely have uh, really excited for our next episode to dive deeper you know really deeply into each of these playoff matchups we'll have plenty of time to do so with only seven games compared to 16 but yeah tons of at clutch points all the takeaways from every one of these games uh we're gonna have a lot of off-season uh content series prepared uh a lot of things some things will start as soon as this week a lot more as teams start getting eliminated looking at you know last kind of fixes that some teams need to uh, have to reach a super bowl potential players that teams need to resign even early looks at agency in the draft obviously right now we're really heavily looking at all the head coaching candidates for all these open positions but yeah we'll have all that covered. You and follow the games in the clutch points app as well coming up and should be a really fun week and fun next couple months i as much as i going to miss the, the Sundays of the regular season. that's uh, so much fun. Um, I, I do like you know being able to just watch each game really intently and being able to really focus in on just one game at a time. And then also the offseason is a lot of fun in the NFL. It's a, it's, it's a lot of different things yeah. that are going to be happening and it's it's an ultimate reality show for sure. I already have seen that in the regular season with the, uh, you know, we don't usually have a team uh, having a, a couple, two teams having fired coaches in the middle of a season. I think they said it's the first time in 60 years a team team has made a, the playoffs with an interim coach, uh, so pre-Super Bowl era, so it's uh, it's already been wild, and it's only going to probably get crazier, and who knows what happens with some of the, there might be more jobs available, you, you know, not every single one's necessarily decided, we talked about how it looks like Joe Judge is going to stay in New York, but he's, as of when we were recording on Monday, today, like, uh, he's having meetings with the ownership, and it sounds like he's going to stay there, but, it, it you know, things could change <laughs> definitely over the course yeah. of the week.
0: Yeah, uh, there's, as we know, in the NFL, there's no guarantees when it comes to uh, this. And, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. But be sure to check it all out over Clutch Points. And uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Any podcast app you use, search for Stab to Pass. Uh, but thanks, as always, for listening to the podcast. And uh, we'll talk to you next time here on was the Pass.